from the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we read some of Jesus' final words as recorded in Scripture. From chapter 21, listen for the word of the Lord. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things. I will be their God and they will be my children. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Fred Craddock was a renowned teacher and, and preacher. He taught over at Emory University for several years, and he told the story of returning to his small hometown in Tennessee, where he attended church as a child, and immediately upon walking into the sanctuary, he noticed some brand new stained glass windows, very beautiful uh, like our glasses. But the thing was, for this small church and their limited financial resources, uh, it didn't make sense for the church to have these elaborate, ornate, very expensive stained glass windows. And so he wondered how the church could afford such a project. And then at the bottom of, of each window, he started noti- noticing some uh, donor names. And he wasn't familiar with any of the names, so Craddock asked a friend. He said, uh, you must have had a lot of new folks join this church since, since I was a boy, right? I don't recognize a single name on any of these windows. He said, oh, those aren't members here. This town hasn't grown a bit, nor this church grown a bit since you left, Fred. Those windows came from a company all the way over in Italy, and they were made for a church in St. Louis. But when they arrived in in St. Louis, none of the windows fit. So the company said they were quite sorry. They would produce new windows and told this small Tennessee church that they could sell the St. Louis windows, however, for whatever they could. So this little church bought the windows. And it puzzled Craddock. He said, but why didn't you take the names off all of the the windows? Well, we called a board meeting and we thought about it. We're just a little church and, and we decided that we'd like to sit here on Sunday morning surrounded by names of people other than ourselves. And so Craddock said, well, are you going to put the names of actual church members at some point on any of these windows, people who are members of this church? Well, we had another church meeting and talked about that too. He said, we decided to leave the names there. Why? asked Dr. Craddock. It's good for our church to know that there are a lot of saints in God's kingdom that we don't even know. There are a lot of saints we don't even know. 
Today, it is All Saints Sunday. It's not Some Saints Sunday. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses this day, cheering us on as we continue our own faith journey in life. All Saints Sunday reminds us we're part of a much bigger story than ourselves. And through Christ, we've been invited into that story, into God's mighty acts of salvation, like the saints before us. And actually, today we are surrounded by names on window plaques, saints from long ago. We hold in our hands pew Bibles and hymnals that have names in the front of them of our saints. Some you recognize, most you do not. But up here are 47 lighted candles. These are our saints today. And we do know their names. And we remember their faces, their perfume and cologne and aftershave. We remember the way they, they held a hymnal. They, we remember the way they held hands, our, our hands. We sigh when we find letters written in their own handwriting. We remember their favorite coffee choice or toppings at the pizza place. And every now and then, we'll hear a song or a hymn that reminds us, and it hits us like a thousand swords. We know these saints as our friends, as our children, spouses, moms, dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, Sunday school teachers, Sunday school members, choir members. These are our saints. These are our stained glass windows reflecting the light of Christ in the world. It is good for the church to know that there are a lot of saints in God's kingdom that we don't even know, and it is good for the church to know that there are saints whom we do know in God's kingdom. And they await our arrival here at the table today. We remember the familiar words that Paul wrote to the early church. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. And somehow in this meal, we are swallowing up life and death and presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to carry forward the legacy of these saints because it's in this meal that we share the love of God that unites us with all the saints for all eternity. 47 saints. Some died a year ago, others within the past month. Many of us gathered here, most of us gathered here have open wounds from loved ones who died years ago and that loss, it remains as, as tender as the day that death came Grief, it doesn't distinguish time. It comes at us like the outer wind bands in a great storm or like sets of waves swelling and cresting and crashing the beaches of the human soul. But I promise you, families, I promise you, church family, I promise you that Jesus' words are trustworthy and true. That one day, one day the sufferings of this world and death and pain and it'll be no more. 
tears of sorrow will turn to tears of joy and, and grief's impulses will subside and we'll all be able to rest and gather around at the great communion table with saints and with God and with one another and it'll be our great getting up morning. This is our great hope in Christ. It should not be lost on us that among Jesus' final words are how things will be someday. It's a way of saying things are not as they should be this day. But there's a time coming when they will be. All things are being made new, even our broken hearts today. Ted Kruser writes a poem called Mourners, and it reminds me of the funerals we have held over the past year. It says, after the funeral, the mourners gather under the rustling churchyard maples and talk softly like clusters of leaves, white shirt cuffs and collars flash in the shade, highlights on deep green water. They came this afternoon to say goodbye, and now they keep saying hello and hello, peering into one another's faces, slow to let go of one another's hands. Grace does that, doesn't it? It presents itself when God's people gather together. Grace has anticipated our gathering today. Grace has anticipated the hugs and the handshakes and the passing of peace we have experienced today. We understand the not wanting to let go. We remember uh, the gripping of hands so tightly at funerals during the singing of Amazing Grace and the solo of the Lord's Prayer. Grace makes things new when we peer into one another's teary eyes because the church at that moment is being the church. And God can do something new with that. God is doing something new with that. James Cruz reflects on his own grief in the past year, and he writes, They're in a better place now, we say. But what if the dead still exist in a world that is inside this one, living on as the tiny glimmer I see in the air around me when I think of my mother's smile or the streetlight blinking on, shuddering into brightness as I pass beneath Remembering my father coming home from work, his rusty truck bumping along the driveway. What if, what if they live on in the small face of the wild daisy and the red breasts of the robin lingering outside my window, pecking at mulch, pulling a shining worm from loose soil? What if, if other, as others promised me, my parents still live in my heart, having taken over those few rooms, both of them now seated at a table in the center, laughing again, their hands wrapped around warm cups of coffee whose heat I can feel spreading in my chest on those days when I need them the most. Memory can be one of God's chief means of grace, especially for those picking up the pieces. We deal with loss through memory. Memory can become an expression of the most powerful force that exists in this universe, and that's love. We grieve because we love. We remember because we love. It is love that maintains the memories of the ones we have lost. It is that same power of love that that heals us as people of faith. Believing beyond all doubt and beyond all death that all love originates from God and all love returns to God because God is love and love is God. Love is the purest universal language and when we learn to give and receive it, we affirm that love, that God's love conquers all. It binds us to God and one another in this life and it binds us to God and one another in death. So yes, Today is All Saints Sunday.
not some saints Sunday, but some of that all are ours. They are the sum of what it means to be human and to be Christian. There's not some elite group of saints whom we need to intercede for us because those saints, while in this life, uh, possessed some superhero or superhuman ability to be holier than thou. What we celebrate today is that God, for some reason, chooses to use broken and imperfect people to do divine things as a reminder that 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 binding love of God refuses to give up on us. And we celebrate that through little dousings of water called baptism when God acted and began a good work in, in the saints and in us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit uses little acts of kindness to bring the kingdom of heaven a little bit closer each and every day. I guess beyond comprehension is the strange mystery that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses called the communion of saints. We are somehow connected to countless saints like us whose stories are like ours, who had struggles like we've had, the same doubts and fears, but they pressed on toward the crown of glory. And I think in a day and age when community life is crumbling and individualism wins the day more often than not, we lean into a higher story today with these saints. We may believe that the utmost expression of connection comes from those with whom we share uh, political beliefs or theological perspectives or social media chatter and neighborhood taste and athletic persuasions, but none of that connects us to nor as the body of Christ any more than we can earn our way into that grace-saving love. Christ alone connects us and calls us blessed through the church in the calling of names, through memory as a means of grace. We need the church more than ever today. And the church needs us more than ever. I think the saints would tell us, if they could, to listen to the Beatitudes. You know the Beatitudes? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit and hunger and thirst. And Jesus says something a little bit odd. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Not a condition. He didn't say, if you mourn, you'll be comforted. You know, if you pray enough or give enough or attend enough or anything like that. Jesus didn't say those who grieve will be comforted if. We will be comforted because he sees us as blessed and as his beloved. And, and not even death can change that because, you see, in Jesus, we find the heart of God. And we see the things that break God's heart and for whom God's heart mourns. And I believe God's heart is the first to break when we suffer and when we cry and when we hurt and when we reach for answers and when we feel overlooked or undervalued or tired or spiritually depleted. And, and in response, Jesus doesn't say from afar, you know, thoughts and prayers. He says, I am here with you always. Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my house at my table. My peace is, is your peace. I'm making all things new, whether you know it or not. And so, beloved, be loved because you are. And nothing you can do can change God's love for you. So today, for all the saints who from their labors rest, 
We sing with them, all the saints in glory. And oh, how we long to be in the number when the saints go marching in. These, these saints, our saints, God's saints. They've assembled us here today by God's Spirit. And if I may, may be so bold as to presume the message that they would preach today, I think it would be simple. I think these 47 would say, love one another and be kind at all times. Just be kind to one another. When pressed, when in doubt, be kind. Listen to one another and hear one another too. I think they would say, God's art is everywhere if all of you just slow down long enough and look around. I believe our saints would tell us to sing together and to eat together and to hug the ones we love and then hug them again and forgive the ones who have hurt you. And when you have hurt someone, ask for forgiveness and then forgive yourself. I think these saints would say, strive for unity. Strive for holiness. And understand that we all get it wrong sometimes, but God loves you anyway. I think these saints would say, hope, always hope. This life comes and goes. There's only one life we get to live, and so choose to fill it with joy and goodness and make someone's day with a smile or a small act of gratitude. Support one another. I think these saints would say, stay in love with God. Stay in love with your church. Stay in love with one another and never miss an opportunity to tell someone you love them. I think these 47 would say that. I think all the saints would tell us that. There's a difference between a saint and a, and a hero. When a hero falls, everything around collapses and the movie ends. <laughs> when a saint falls short, God's grace intervenes through the church and healing begins. And we have discovered that saints remind us how to be strong in the broken places because they live life with the assurance that the worst things are never the last things. And it's in their suffering we have witnessed joy. It's in their sorrow light we have seen. It's in their doubt that we have discovered hope, and it's in their death that we believe in resurrection all the more. In just a moment, we're going to come down the center aisle as we do each time we share communion in the sanctuary. And I'll ask you to present your hands like I do each time you come forward for communion. We'll place a piece of bread in your hands and I'll invite you to dip it in the chalice and to partake of the meal and, and you may pray here and return to your pews on the, the side there. But I want to add something today. As you come forward, I, I want you to think about uh, your saint. Maybe one of the names we called, maybe, maybe someone who's died previously. Maybe someone who's struggling in this life right now, in this very moment. Maybe someone whose name we've called on the hospital list. And maybe, just maybe, when you receive the bread and you're partaking in this holy meal, maybe you just want to whisper that person's name as a prayer to God, as a way of saying, we will love, we will be kind.
we will be comforted. There will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. We feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one and all are thine. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen.